John Gruden joins us on the JT and Looney podcast. Episode 44. Shout out Reggie Jackson. Coach, a great day today. Thanks for coming on. I always appreciate it. What is happening? Thanks for having me. I thought it was one of your finest moments, your press conference the other day at the facility, the way you addressed COVID-19, beating the virus from your Super Bowl press conferences to playoffs to the big days that you had in media. Can you talk about your mindset talking about that serious topic? Well, this virus is is the most difficult opponent that I know I've ever faced. It's, it's affected uh, my life our family's life, all my friends, uh, all around the world. And we got to gang up on this virus. And uh, I know everybody out there listening feels the same way. They're tired of it. we got to put our foot on this virus's throat and finish it off. So uh, that's the mindset that we have here. If we don't beat the virus, there's no way we can beat anybody. we got to get after it. And, Coach, it's a new responsibility for you as a head coach and a leader Now you have a new chapter in your life, being a head coach, a dad, a husband, during COVID-19 where fans are listening to you as we're talking about attacking the virus and beating it back. How important is this chapter for you because this is bigger than football? No doubt it's it's very important. It's something we talk about every day. We've got signs all over our building. We take pride in uh, really evaluating everything our players do when they step foot in here. We weigh them in. We weigh them out at night. We evaluate their, their effort in the strength room, in the meeting rooms, on the field. And now we're, we're spending most of our time uh, talking about what do we do, where do we go, how do we handle when we're not in this building. And we've had a, a Zoom meeting with a lot of their families, their loved ones. We're trying to get everybody on the same page. And uh, so far, so good. But uh, as you see around the world, there's a lot of teams, a lot of people that are still Uh, getting beaten up with this virus, and uh, you can't talk about it and emphasize it enough. John Gruden is our guest, head coach of the Raiders. Coach, one more on that. that, That's really important, the families, because as you've been following, you're a sports fan, MLB, not in a real bubble, but the NBA is, and hockey, and they're not having any positive tests because they're doing it a different way. I don't think you could put the league in a, a bubble all the time, but the responsibility is you're having those conversations with your players when they leave the facility in Henderson, what their responsibility is before they come back the next morning. Yeah, and this is a mission. We talked about it from the first night. This is a mission, and I don't like to use military um, in the back of this because I wasn't one, but I, I did research a lot of the the Navy SEALs and the Army Rangers and the Green Berets and the missions uh, that they go about. And it takes a certain mindset now, and it's not going to be easy. And this is tough. They're talking about us playing potentially in front of no fans. This is Las Vegas, Nevada, the greatest town in the world. Uh, this is the greatest facility. When you get here, you won't believe what they built for us. And we can't even utilize it. So there's a lot of frustration. Uh, we share that with everybody else. But the mindset has to be singular. Beat the virus, crush it, and it'll give you a chance to have a lot of fun and finish the season. And if you don't, uh, it'll be it'll be a very difficult uh, endeavor for sure. John Gruden's our guest. Let's talk football. Really unique what happened throughout the draft with the offensive weapons coming in, Coach. We talked about it. That doesn't happen if you don't have the activity in free agency on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, what does this do for Paul Gunther now, having more weapons on defense, more depth, and the ability to get at those opposing quarterbacks? Well, first of all, it gives Gunther a chance. You know, we uh, excavated the land a little bit our first year here. We felt we needed to rebuild this team. And slowly but surely, we've put together some pieces on defense. We think the addition of Nassib and Malik uh, Collins certainly are going to help us in the defensive line. Uh, we think Farrell and Max Crosby in year two are going to be much better pass rushers. And, look, Corey Littleton and Kwiatkowski's the first time I saw them today was in the walkthrough. They're, they have a presence about them. They're different than the linebackers that we've had here in recent years. And we've got a young, flashy secondary that uh, has a chance to really be good if we can just get some seasoning. Yeah, I want to stay with your linebackers. I think that's critical. Three down linebackers who can put their hands on tight ends, tackle in space, and go sideline to sideline. That hasn't been here much for a long time. Now that you've got those players who can make those plays, get off the field, coach, on third down. Talk about now those schemes with linebackers who can make plays. Well, I think it starts with Littleton. Corey Littleton came over from the Rams, and 
he's just a guy that's comfortable in space. And when you play the Chiefs, they stretch you horizontally, they stretch you vertically, and linebackers got to be able to cover a lot of different types of receivers in space. He's very comfortable. He's athletic. Uh, he's got a lot of experience. We're happy to have him. And Kwiatkowski, uh, he'll be the straw that stirs the drink. He'll make all the calls. He'll get us uh, set up. He'll be able to recognize plays and give us some alerts that can allow Paul Gunther's scheme to, uh, I think, take off a little bit. Cleland Farrell comes in as a high draft pick in the first round. He was on the field a lot, but I don't know what he did in the offseason. He looks like a freak to me. Changed his body. He really got the message that being drafted that high, you got to be a star in this league. Let's talk about that defensive line and the depth you have and the rotation difference and a new coach who's going to get even more out of him. Or a 4-3 defense. That means we have four down linemen. Um, they were a three-down lineman team when we got here. So we had to get some defensive ends. There weren't a lot of pure defensive ends on this roster, and they don't grow on trees. You just don't go call them up and say, hey, come and try out for end. Uh, so we brought in Rod Marinelli, a guy that was with me in Tampa that uh, we won a championship with. I've seen what he uh, has done with uh, castaway guys like Simeon Rice. He's going to put him in the Hall of Fame. Uh, no-name players like Greg Spires. Uh, he fortified our front in Tampa, helped us win a championship. He's gotten results in Chicago, got a lot of results in Dallas. He's coached some of the best pass rushers in the league. And uh, I think Farrell's going to be fine. I think Crosby's got a chance to be very good as well. And uh, to get Nassib uh, in here from Tampa gives us some depth. And a name to watch for is Arden Key. I know he's in his third year. But under Marinelli's tutelage, I think he's going to take off as well. Uh, saying goodbye to P.J. Hall, what does that say about consistency and what you're bringing into this new facility when it comes to work, playing hard, being more consistent going forward with everyone on this team? Well, I think what it says is uh, it's a mission. I said it earlier. You know, it's a mission that we're on. And everybody's got to be on the same page. And uh, we wish P.J. well, but he didn't fit uh, this mission, this this uh, endeavor that we're about to take off on. And uh, uh, the group of guys that we have better suits uh, the style in which we want to play. Coach John Gruden joining us on the JT Looney podcast. Coach, I know you didn't get to work out in person with your quarterback, Derek Carr, because of COVID-19 reasons. But you got to see him on videotape. You got to see him on social media. What did you see that you liked over the summer or maybe didn't like? I think he's a really good player. I think he's got a chance to be a great player. Uh, if we can improve the supporting cast and, and stay healthy, you know, I think it's a credit to him. You know, Al Davis would say the will to win is one of the most important things that a man can have, and Derek clearly has that. He showcased that by organizing these workouts and pushing through these workouts and recruiting players to be here. So it's a credit to him, and I'm really pleased with our quarterback room. You know, Marcus Mariota's come in here. Um, he's a great man. I think he and Derek are collaborating very well. And young Nate Peterman's another guy that's got some experience in our system. So in this COVID uh, craziness, it's nice to have quarterbacks that are rock solid that know your stuff. Wrapping it up with John Gruden, the, the play of Waller last year in the production is amazing. But red zone pr- production, getting him open in the end zone, now with rugs and rent row in the slot, and the competition you have by bringing in more offensive weapons, do you think that'll free up Waller, Witten, Moreau, your tight ends, that they'll make touchdowns, they'll make big plays in the end zone? I think so. I think, well, I think Waller is as good as there is. He's as good as I've ever coached. He's only played the position one year. Now I'm trying to figure that out. He's a natural. He can do just about anything that we ask him to do. we got to improve our goal line offense. Our red zone offense was pretty good. We just got to knock it in from the one or two yard line. We got stuffed twice in Green Bay. We got stuffed against Denver, Tennessee. We, we got stuffed too many times in goal-to-goal situations. And believe me, uh, that is a priority, uh, what you just talked about, finishing drives, especially when we're in there very tight. Coach, you were beating yourself up by saying that when I said that because you were talking about your play calling down there. It really changes, I would think. So many fans have asked me about this offense and opening it up more. you got a different team. Ruggs is a playmaker. When you compare him to Tyreek Hill or other players in this league, as we wrap this up now, 
The elephant in the room for a lot of fans is Kansas City. They're in your division. You know Andy Reid. They got an MVP quarterback. They won a championship as you're playing chess against that team in the organization from top to bottom. How do you feel you're matching up now against Kansas City going forward? Well, we think we're getting closer. I mean, uh, the problem with the Chiefs is they don't lose any players. It's rare that you can win a championship and keep your team together. I don't know what their salary cap is, but I'm going to investigate that. They've done a great job keeping that team together. And in this COVID season where you have a lot of turnover, that's going to really help them. But we've gotten faster. We've gotten better. We feel like we can compete with them. But when you look at the four games that we played against Kansas City since I've been here, we turned the ball over ridiculously. The turnover ratio in those four games has just shot us. I mean, we have not been able to recover from that. So, uh, we, we're going to learn a lot about ourselves here in the coming weeks, but uh, we do feel better about matching up with everybody. John Gruden on Raider Nation Radio. Coach, I love it. how does that sound to you? That. I love hearing that, JT. I just, you know what's sad is I can't get outside in Vegas and make some friends. <laughs> uh, I'm a high-fiving, chest-pumping, hugging guy, uh, but i got to wear a mask. i gotta, <laughs> I got to be private about everything I do, but just – if you're listening out there, just know this. We are so happy to be here, and uh, we, we cannot wait to unite with this city and, and, and show you what kind of effort we're going to give you. Coach, you got some juice. You got a new radio station, a new facility, <laughs> a new stadium on top you of all this. Like is that exciting or what? I mean, is that exciting? I think the toilets are going to flush in this stadium, too. That's what they tell me. It's what? a spectacular, a spectacular place. I know it's disappointing because we might not be able to use it right away, but when you see what Mark Davis has done, uh, it's going to be awesome. Thanks, Coach, for being part of the JT and Looney podcast. See you, man. I wanted to make sure that this podcast included leaders because John Gruden, as you can tell there by his tone, he sounded like a leader in the military or the leader of a Fortune 20 company meeting their employees all over the world. He was so precise on, let's forget football. Let's start off that we got to beat the virus. That's the way generals act when they hit the beach or they hit a war or someone says when they get a chance to speak in front of Congress. Be distinct. I thought it was one of John Gruden's finest achievements as a, as a leader, what he said to the team, what he said in a press conference, what he said to me for this podcast. Well, football's had a big influence on my life. Rugby's had an influence on your life, but they're very similar sports in the fact that it's all about team. And that's the way you and I have worked together over the years. It's all about the team. And I think when it comes to defeating COVID-19, you and I have been on the same team. It's about the collective as a country to beat it. We didn't get caught up in being political weenies about it. We said, okay, how do we do this as a team? And I think, unfortunately, that's why a lot of other countries have – have uh, have done a better job than we have because we have we we have a specific affectation with our personality and it's what makes us great. We are rugged individualists, so sometimes Americans don't like to do things as a team. Uh, people, we don't like to be told sometimes to wear this, wear this, say this, stand here, sit sit for that. So uh, we we get pretty sensitive about those things. So I think that's held us back. Uh, as a country, our rugged individualism, which is the way we are, and it's probably never going to change. But hopefully we can take that particular part of our affectation, of our personality aside, and just come together as a team. Then we will we'll flatten the curve faster. I think people are getting on board because people are realizing that it's not a left-right thing, a liberal uh, conservative thing. Uh, the virus has no political agenda and we just need to uh, stay away from each other, and then we'll get better. I want to throw in a couple other names here. That was John Gruden. Other guys that I've heard over the last couple of weeks that I wanted to include that I thought spoke like leaders about the virus Mm -hmm. in their job. I don't want to make it about politics and Dr. Fauci, but Joe Girardi, when he right. they were holed up and he couldn't play, wow, he came out and gave an unbelievable press conference and talked about how they got to beat COVID and what they have to do and this is the right thing to do. I mean, what a leader, a world champion, a guy who just came in there multiple as a player and a manager, said everything right. Urban Meyer, who's now at Fox, yeah, and he gets a lot of heat from time to time. He was talking about Michigan and Ohio State not going to play the last game of the year. 
All he did was talk about COVID. Hey, we got to do the right thing, which I love. Yeah, it's a football coach. They get it because they have to get a college coach. has got to get 80 guys on the same page. Yep. Yeah, and finally, in the NBA bubble, Doc Rivers. I, I love Doc Rivers. Oh, There's something God. about Doc. Yeah, no, played for my Knicks, and, and Doc gets into that press conference, and Doc really has everything beautifully set up. They're going to yeah. go up against the Lakers. They're not playing perfect in the bubble. They're going to win some, lose some. Who cares? These games don't matter. The Lakers, your Lakers are the one seed. But Doc is using his platform with Black Lives Matter, talking about the anthem. He was on his knees for two minutes when he took a yeah. knee and he said he had bad knees and his knees were sore. And then he defined that and talked about the eight plus minutes with a police officer on George Floyd's neck. I mean, that was well thought out and placed in by Doc Rivers, who's been talking about social injustice, uh, systemic racism. And on top of it, he's talking about COVID using that big ass NBA platform down there in the bubble. I love Doc. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, Doc Rivers, when he lived in San Antonio, God, I don't want to besmirch San Antonio mm-hmm. if it was San Antonio, but he had his house burned down. So uh, he has ached. Uh, then again, he has, to, he has to walk around in black skin. We never have had to, but I just from that. I mean, but that's a pretty heavy duty thing to have to go through that he only brought up at some point several years ago when uh, a race conversation was coming up. So he's had some heavy-duty stuff, He's heavy-duty shit he's had to go through with him and his family in life when people burn your house down. He's a leader, and this has been a lot about leadership as, leadership as we tried to keep this podcast moving along. You know, we know we're going to do this podcast. We love each other. We want to see each other every week. And then we come in, and I say, what are we going to talk about? We got a movie review. We did our top ten rock yeah. bands, which I got good heat from a rock jock. Steph McKenzie from really? The Point in Vegas. Uh-huh. She does some Raiders radio with me, and she heard the podcast. And I had the list of my top ten rock bands, and I was going through it. And by, like, three or four, she was just rolling her eyes like, man, 70s, 80s rock, get with it. Right? <laughs> yeah. and she's, like, not knowing the new rock bands. Right. But, you know, again, we try to lighten the load on this and talk about a lot of different issues. We jump all over the place. But it's been tough because – Every pre-show, pre-podcast talk we have, we can't get away from COVID. I know. Yeah. Give out the number, the number where we're at as we start the podcast, knowing that at 150,000 plus, it's going to be 175,000, easily 200,000. And we're going to march along, march along, hoping that these numbers go down and eventually go away. Yeah, but it's easier to sit down as two friends and do this and talk to each other because we do it on the phone anyway, and this is just like taking a phone conversation and and putting it into the podcast because we are interested in everything, so COVID-19 wouldn't slow us down because we love movie and entertainment and comedy and pop culture and politics, and so we talk about that stuff either on the phone or on the podcast, but you've had to do it as a professional sports talk show host. That that's a lot hotter to you know. That, that's like got to be what. <laughs> some nights that just has to be, you know. You hate to call it grueling work because people have to go down into coal mines and yes. and people are putting out fires in Beirut. And you're talking about having to do your talk show with no sports. But a lot easier, a lot easier doing the podcast, talking to your friend that you've known all these years, me, than uh, going on the air for two hours straight some night when there's no sports, especially for March, April, May, June, and July. When there wasn't any. Well, you mentioned that Beirut blast. Yeah. And when you saw that, it looked like the end of the world oh at the end my of Beirut. God. And when that oh. happened, I watched the news for the next two nights, and you see all the people. And you're right. When you Whatever you're, we're doing now, if you're unemployed, if you're in between jobs, if you have multiple jobs, if you're working too much, too hard, making less, you always have to dip your life in reality. Yeah. Well, look what happened today. Look what happened to that family couldn't get into the hospital to say goodbye to their loved one and all that. So that's getting more and more difficult for everybody. You mentioned doing radio and doing this and all our jobs and you're working really hard. You need people in your life who are going to ground you and put you back on track. For me, it's my wife. And then as we're name dropping a lot, my buddy, John Butler told me the other day, he was talking about, man, you're working too much. You're on too late. You're doing these shows. You launched a new radio show, Raider Nation Radio. What are you doing there? Because he he actually listens and pays attention. Right. One of my friends, and I'm talking to him about it, and he goes, he calls me T-Bone, orderly nickname. He goes, T-Bone, yeah. listen. He goes, slow down. Slow down. I go, why? He goes, because 
everything now is stopped. The world is stopped. You don't have to work as hard oh. or race as hard. And I needed to hear it from him. because well, Yeah, the world has stopped, and you didn't. Yeah, but again, I'm not a frontline worker, and right. we're not. We're doing this for fun. We're trying to, you know, talk and broadcast. But you need your friends, and you need your family, and you need your loved ones to tell you from time to time, stop, slow yeah. down. You'll love this. My wife wants me to listen to this Calm app, Calm app, which is a way to meditate for ten minutes. Mm-hmm. And as you've known, I've tried to meditate <laughs> yes. a few times in my life. We both have attention span issues. Yes, I get it. So, I yeah. am the poster guy for a guy who can't meditate. I, know. I could probably sit in a room and talk to a psychologist. <laughs> I've never done that, a psychiatrist. But you know, I should be able to do the ten minute calm app. And I tried it once and it was better than I thought. And I'm again, but it's not regiment. You know, it's not regiment. Oh, my and, God. And you know, if it's anything both of us need, it's a calm app and a yoga class. And, yeah. I, I, and I've taken, you know, and I've taken a yoga class or two. In other words, two in the last 20 years. But nevertheless, and I, I'm also like, I feel so bad when I do this in church. And that is, get, catch myself looking out the window. And I'm still eight years old in church. Oh, my God, so bored. And the same thing with yoga. I will, uh, I find it grueling because I don't stretch a lot and I never did. And I look at the clock. And uh, I, when I'm doing a regular workout, I'm not looking at the clock. I'm loving it. But, uh, I sh- but the Calm app and a yoga class are two things you and I should be doing. Seven days a week. <laughs> well, well, you're a bodybuilder. You're a bodybuilder. You work out for yep. a, a goal to to be right. ripped into bodybuild. It's very important that people work out and the amount of walking and the steps and what you're wearing on your watch to try to keep your heart rate going and do a lot of things. It's a really important time. I don't know how that in- industry is doing in general, but these Apple watches and these Fitbits like I have on right. and all that are very important now because I can judge my sleep or lack thereof. And I could look at all this and my water intake and my, not so much calories, but I can see my steps every day. More and more people should be doing this during a pandemic. Absolutely. We're not paying attention to those, those important things. And, and I think people are exercising more. People are also learning that they don't, one of their excuses was, well, I'll, I'm going to join a gym pretty soon. And now people realize, well, I can't. So they're exercising anyway. I'm noticing uh, uh, when I'm out and about as well. So that's a good thing. And you talked about not only people that we love telling us to slow down. Sometimes it's just flipping through Twitter. You sent me the text. Uh, uh, I think Ryan Hollins had it early. You sent, you forwarded it to me of one of the point of view of somebody in Beirut. Which scared the hell out of all of us because it looked like a nuclear weapon. Then, it looked like a nuclear bomb. And then later we realized it wasn't fire, which was a good thing. It was ammonia ammonia or whatever whatever that whatever the you know, cloud t- was yeah and so although almost just as destructive and i am i am stunned and so there are moments like that where you get to say to yourself oh wow okay my industry is hurting right now everybody's industry is hurting right now in our consumer oriented society in america but okay we won't have black friday and we won't be able to get the cheap big screen this year but they had a bomb go off in their harbor that flattened everything for a mile. And people heard it hundreds of miles away. And guess what? They're used to that where they live in Beirut. So they knew how to come together for each other. They know in Beirut that they can't depend on their government. They've been build, building and rebuilding a government there almost all of our lives, JT, since we were in college, right? They've been fighting over in Beirut. It's been calm, and they're fighting, and it's calm, and they're fighting. And it was considered the Paris of the Middle East for a long time. And they've had to, they've known how to do it as a team for a long time in Beirut without having the government to help. And that's helping them out right now because they, they know how to crisis manage their own lives in Beirut. You've got mail. We are podcasting from my wife's walk-in closet in <laughs> Summerlin, Nevada, where I guess everyone's allowed to mail in their ballot. That was news to me all the way to Hollywood yes. where Tom Looney is. Hello, Tom. Well, did you know, a fun fact, I did not know this until recently when all, you know, because there's so much to know now with politics and the backbiting and everyone getting so emotional over politics, which you and I never got emotional over. We always thought of it as kind of a fun side interest. You know, like I like ice cream every once in a while. I like politics every once in a while, but I don't get upset if somebody else wants a hot fudge sundae and I want an ice cream cone. 
Nevertheless, um, I didn't know that we had mail-in ballots. Did you know? All the way back to the Civil War. Because they couldn't yeah. vote during the Civil War, so they had to mail in their ballots. So I guess if they could handle it during the Civil War, our technology could probably handle it in 2020. Very interesting, because I know about mail-in ballots, not that I've partaken in that, but mm-hmm. I've moved a lot. So I lived in San Diego for six years, San Francisco right. for two L.A., Sherman Oaks for 10, and I've been on and off in Vegas. I've been back in Vegas since 2009 at the end. So we've had mail-in ballots show up at our house that didn't have our name on it. We've had mail-in ballots in our name. So I just remember seeing them over the years. Uh, this, where I stand is simple. If you're disabled, if you can't get to the ballot, if you right. can't get there, for whatever reason you're in the military or there's something dramatic that you can prove – I, I, you can mail in a ballot. If not, you better show your ass up on time. And I like early, early voting. So you don't have to show up on election day. With my world, the, the polling would be open two, three days early. That's and fine. Be open, and we'd have people in lines, but it wouldn't be one line one day in Atlanta where it's pouring rain and it's COVID and there's 2,000 people online at 7 p.m. Eastern. With an hour to go. No, I, I, so I want people showing up to the polls, but I get it. Yeah, I get it, too. And here's another thing, too. They already have that, what you mentioned. It's called absentee balloting, and they've always had it. I voted absentee ballot when I was in college because I knew the politics of Elmira, New York, better than I did of State College, Pennsylvania, or whatever. So uh, I did it then, and it was always kind of fun to vote absentee because you get to take your time and look at the ballot. But what? Uh, <laughs> my mom, my mom sits at the ballot oh. and she sits at the location Mine does at, too. <laughs> at albany avenue where wow. i went to elementary oh. school albany avenue kindergarten k through six mrs petro in fifth grade and my mom volunteers to sit there all day and people come in and my mom gets to see neighbors or people just once a year I remember four years ago when we were on the air, we said, don't say it's rigged. Our mothers are working there. Remember we were saying We were getting upset because both of our mothers were working the polls. And I'm not going to get in trouble because this is my podcast. Right. So, but I will say this again. I want your ID. I want it to be valid and up to date. Mm -hmm. I want you to show up. Give your ID to someone who records you, records you into a book, and then you get your paperwork to go, and you can take all the time you want casting your vote. I like structure, structure and rules when it comes to elections. I went through the hanging chad. And I went through that. And every year, why does Florida come down to like 500 votes, know, 1,000 God, votes with all those people? I will tell you, though, when it comes to IDs and voter, when I go, they, they compare your, your signature and then you vote. We haven't had any voter fraud in this. Remember, they found, caught three people in the last 20 years. So I, I don't know that it needs to be as strict as getting a bottle of wine when you look under 21 because it's your constitutional right to vote. It's not your constitutional right to have a bottle of wine. Oh, so, I, couldn't, I couldn't disagree well, with because you more. We, Well, because you, we're ID guys. We, we, had, we, we go all the way back to fake IDs. It's, IDs have always, <laughs> IDs we both have, had great fake IDs <laughs> yes. over the years. IDs have always been very important to you and me. However, not, you know, I think people who, you know, homeless people or whatever, if they can prove that they are their age or something, they should be able to vote whether or not they have a laminated uh, ID with a, a driver's license or whatever. Some people don't have driver's licenses. In high school when I was 15 or 16 and Jimmy Brown's brother used to collect more money from us than it was worth to buy beer. So if, right. we, if we wanted $30 worth of beer, which back then was a lot of beer, uh, we'd probably have to give him 40. He probably got, he took his own tip. Right. But we'd wait behind the 7-Eleven. <laughs> we, we didn't have IDs, and he'd yeah. buy our beer. And then he'd give us our beer, and we'd run off into the woods and drink our beer. My point is, I don't mind scamming the system that way. <laughs> I don't want to do, do that. I don't want those rules in pl- right. place for the presidency of the United States of America. We can barely, that. for most of our life, more people have been voting in the last couple of elections. For most of our life, usually about half people don't vote Anyway, it's the, the opposite's the problem. People aren't voting twice. People aren't voting once. That's usually the problem. But also, uh, I, I don't know this. Historically, did you grow up in New York State before they had a picture on the driver's license? Oh, York, yes. Me too. New York was, of all things, of all places, supposed to be so progressive, a blue state. It was the last state, of all 50, to require a picture on a driver's license, and Dana Drileski was three years older than me, same height, 
Same weight, same color eyes. So uh, one year he lost his ID, wink, wink, gave it to me, and then applied for a new, a new driver's license so I could get beer with Dana's driver's license for years. Jeff Hayden, another one of my best boyhood friends, he made the cut into my wedding, H. You just call him H. H was two years older than me, and he had his paper ID, and he went off, went off in the Air Force, and he ended up going to London, and he left me his ID. It was a paper ID. Wow. I learned how to sign his name, and... I had his ID with the same height, same eye color. That was very important. Blue eyes. Right. He had blue eyes. I learned how to sign his name, Jeff, with a G. It was G <laughs> right. With a G. And I had it down perfectly. That was my first fake ID without a picture. And I got in trouble with it. And Mrs. Hayden found out. Oh, no. And when Jeff, who was in the military, got picked up at the airport the whole ride home, he was dressed up and down by his mom and dad because he gave John Tornor his fake ID and wow. something happened. Someone took it from me or a bar guy figured it out. And, uh, yeah, so my son, who's going off to college, and that's pretty much what we're going to get into the podcast, College Football. My son is 19. He's going back to the University of Oklahoma. I wonder if he's got a good fake idea that he's taking with him that you don't know about. Yeah, they probably listen to this, and it'll show up on Facebook, so I, I don't want that to be said. But the point, the, point is, the point is he's going back, and kids, it's a rite of passage in America. Do you know that we had young men who were 16 years old in what I believe is still the greatest generation, mm -hmm. and they decided to fake their age to go yeah. fight for this country and yeah. landed on the beaches of Normandy, right? They, they were at the Guadalcanal. They were fighting in wars, and yeah. they were underage. And I know a lot of kids underage buy beer, and they get into places right. they shouldn't get into. But uh, to wrap it up with voter fraud, it's not a Republican or a Democrat thing for me. I actually believe that with write-in hand ballots that come in the mail and are dropped off in a mail – I believe there's a lot of room for voter fraud, and hopefully we don't have a lot of it, or we haven't, but I, I believe that's a real topic. Yeah, it usually comes in people's names. It's got a barcode. I'm not really worried about it, but there's been a smart thing that's been done. The seed has been planted. And once you plant a seed, you can fly around the country and say our president's an illegal immigrant. 30% of the people are just going to believe it. You can say... I hear that they never really landed on the moon. It was filmed in Hollywood, and a certain percentage of people are just going to believe it. So that's the problem right now. Our system, here's what I always think. They haven't been, for years, I'm guessing now, because of the push, that if we improve the system, it must be because it'll, because it'll help Democrats. For a long time, neither side wanted to help and I always assumed because neither side could tell who it was going to help if they fixed the system. Right. Because I always thought, why can't we just go to the bank? Because if the bank, if we, if that system didn't work with the bank, we wouldn't be able to go after 5 o'clock and get our money. We'd have to wait till tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock or if it was Saturday till Monday to get our money. But the bank knows this system works. Well, if the bank is so secure with their system and money, it seems like we could come up with a secure system. For voting, right? I hope we, I hope we can. Uh, it's a tremendous oh, karma. Coming do, you, do you think with computers, though, maybe it's better we use these paper old-fashioned systems because they're harder to hack and fix? Yeah, I would, I would yeah. envision open, someday in our lifetime we'd go to the ATM, right. and I'd have my, my ATM card, and there'd be a camera that was able to see through security and uh -huh. the – the advancements in security would get my I code, and I'd have to back it up by putting in my PIN code. Right. So several layers to know if I was real, and then I could just vote at my ATM. I don't even have to get out of my car. I do it at the drive-up that, window. That, that's We're not there yet. That's We're not there yet. What's an unconstitutional idea? It's supposed to be easy, not hard. Several layers to get money, not several layers to vote. People don't want to try to vote. Look, if you want to vote that, if you want to cheat that bad, it's only going to be one vote anyway. One vote. So I, I just don't believe in any – all they do is they've investigated for years voter fraud. They do it every few years, and they don't find anything. And you think that's good news? We don't let felons vote. We don't let illegals mm. vote. We don't let people vote if they are trying to commit fraud. doesn't matter what your skin color is. doesn't matter your religion. If you want to work this system and pass an illegal vote – see, the thing Nobody's I believe, trying to do that. 
here's what I believe. I believe that the person who's going to cast the illegal vote is already voting. <laughs> so they're bringing the extra vote possibly with them. Right. We're finding a way to get a dead person to vote, which I agree with you. We're just, we're just covering off on this. I think right. most <laughs> of it is hocus pocus. Right. But okay. believe me, there has been times factually proven in the history of this country where dead scrolls of people have voted. People that shouldn't have been able to vote have voted. Are you and talking about Chicago 1960? I don't even know if that was proven, but I know it's, it's definitely folklore, right? That a lot of I thought voting machines went in the river. In 19, I thought that's what happened in 1960. I love this podcast because I don't know where we're going to go. That's <laughs> hey, before the podcast, before the podcast started August 5th, I put out a podcast alert and I said, Looney and I are about to record any topic you want us to add before we finish. Okay. And I was just talking about H. Jeff Hayden. His brother, another great friend of mine, Matt Hayden, who I grew up with, uh, tweets at JT and Looney. JT and Looney, what will football look like this year? I still don't believe it will actually be played. Big five college conferences can't survive without fans in the stands, and it's possible MLB doesn't finish the short season. Will NFL and college make it? Well, I'll tell you this. I spent a lot of time this week talking about college football, and here's why. From the second the pandemic started, and now we're at 157,500 dead Americans, hmm. I said that college football would lead for a couple of reasons. Number one, they're crazy. They're nuts in some of these college towns. They, they love it so much. They're so rabid that they want this, so they're going to push. Number two, I knew it would wipe out. One lost season would wipe out small towns, Baton Rouge, Tuscaloosa, Little towns, Oxford, Mississippi, that can't sustain it where New York City can and L.A. can in Chicago. So I always thought that the SEC and the Big 12 would lead. This week they announced schedules in the Big 10. The Pac-12 wants to put together some type of union to have their rights before they decide Mm -hmm. on what they're going to do. But either way, I don't know if they're going to finish the season, but I'm damn encouraged they're going to start they're starting early, and they want to get games in, Tom. Well, the, the Pac-12 is starting with the most fun game just in case it never ends. Just in case the season, I mean, just in case they don't finish the season. UCLA is playing USC in the first game of the year. Did you know that, Mr. JT the Brick? Uh, that's that's kind of cool, just in case the season never finishes, that at least USC will get to play UCLA in the first game of the year, we had Brett McMurphy on, who who I thoroughly agreed with. We had him on in March or April, and he was worried just, you know, by the nature of college. And I'm mixing my thoughts with his because I don't remember it exactly. But you're in college, and dorms and kids and boys especially, they don't clean up after themselves. I just think COVID-19 would run so rampant yeah. that I don't know if a team, you know, and the college, you know, the college kids, if they do Zoom school, and remote learning, will they be allowed to play football? And since some conferences will, some conferences won't. I just have a feeling they're not going to pull it off. Yeah, you have the right to say that. And yeah. I've been encouraged about college football. And, again, I believe that the powers that be want to do it, and they're going to push hard, and the protocol is in place. What's, what's changed so much in the last couple of months as we've been on the podcast and we moved over to Believe is that people are doubting sports more and more. And they weren't doubting it at the beginning of the pandemic. It was like, oh, my God, we have to shut it down. It is serious. Shut it down. Mm-hmm. And we did. We stopped the NCAA tournament. Right. We can't Wimbledon. I mean, the Masters. So we canceled everything. But then we reset it. We moved the Kentucky Derby back. We moved all these events back. And we were hoping that the numbers would get better. They've gotten worse. So now only the sports that know that they have to get it in, the Masters, the Kentucky Derby, the Indy 500, other things that want to move back and keep it going again, they're going. And if you're offended by it, too bad. We, we took away the big boy for you, no fans. So stop bitching and moaning. Now, now we took the fans away. Now it's changing this week as we begin August. Now players are doubting. Athletes, yeah. NFL are opting out in college football. Parents are saying, no, no, no. I, I, you gave me more time to think about it, and I'm out. And a lot of people are bailing on sports. Well, yeah, and the colleges might bail as well, too. As, as uh, You know, UConn did. You know, the colleges are in charge of your children's health care. Who did you say? I, did you say UConn? 
Yes. Oh, okay. I just was double checking. <laughs> like it was Notre Dame or it was USC. There was some four horsemen involved or it was in the swamp or it was in, you know, Tiger Stadium with the lights down in Baton Rouge. You mentioned UConn, right? No yeah, big yes, deal. Yes, I did. But, you know, there could be the domino effect, JT. It's important Ooh. It's important for us to scream that the sky is falling or we need to get clicks. But I do think that a lot in a lot of ways – Colleges and universities, presidents might worry that about overrunning the healthcare system of their own university mm-hmm. because the university is in charge of the healthcare of your children. The university can also be sued. You know, people are nothing in this country. Nothing's anybody's own fault, and we, people worry about lawsuits. A lot of other countries, and you've traveled around the world. You walk down the street, you step in a hole, and you break your ankle. You can't sue the city. Uh, the, the city will say, watch where you're walking. <laughs> but in the United States, you can sue the city or sue the school if your kid comes down with COVID-19. So I think some college presidents in Ivy, Ivy League isn't going to play football, right? Smart people aren't playing football, they, but they're going to let others do it. I just have a feeling that we're, we were all too impatient to try to get going. Football is the, the local economy will survive a year in Baton Rouge without football. It will survive. It'll just take an enormous hit. But we all got to pitch in. We're all we got we all got to pitch in. Well, here's why it'll start. I think that's the important thing as we sit here in early August and we're looking for games at the end of August, early September. Here's why it'll start. They're all together now. So they're all there. They're all been mm-hmm. working out together. You saw Rutgers had a big outbreak. Yep. And you mentioned UConn, the Ivy League canceled. So everybody's down there in Alabama. They're down there in Tennessee. They're out there in, you know, Southern California, beautiful areas of uh, L.A. for USC and UCLA. So what they're going to do is they're going to test everybody around the clock, continue to test them. They're all going to test negative. A few positives are going to come up. They'll isolate them, get them off the field. And by the time the season starts one week out, they'll move them into a tighter bubble. A tighter bubble. They won't be going back to their dorms. They won't be going back to their college dorm room. They'll do something to really protect them, in my opinion, the week before game one. I do think – oh, go ahead. Then they'll be tested before game one. Everyone will be tested before the first college football game, and they'll all test negative the ones who get on the field. Do you agree with that? Yes. Okay. So all the guys who are playing on the field, including the refs, there's no fans, will be playing under negative tests. So in theory, they shouldn't test positive. So we should finish game one, and then it becomes who tests positive when they go back to their life. Yeah, and it does, and it's it's one of these things that we're playing with. And I know people that some at times we found out. You remember Hank Gathers? We found out at times that people have congenital situations, pre-existing conditions that they didn't know that they had. And are we willing to roll the dice? Well, I guess that that's all of us with COVID-19. When you look at it, it's a, it's a microcosm of society. And this is where the NBA comes in. Tie the NBA to all of it, to college football, to the National Football League. As your friend's brother asked, is this going to get done? And I think they're going to take a look at the success or non-success of the NBA. And so far, as of August 5th, 2020, the NBA seems to be really doing well. And the NBA is going to be the leader when it comes to getting it done. And if they get their season done or we get into the playoffs, then the college football is going to be taking a look. Or at least if we get till September, college football and the NFL are, is going to be taking a look and see, okay, what are they doing that we can duplicate? And I have the answer. Okay. They did, as Michael Caine would say. <laughs> I have the answer. They went into a hardcore bubble, which we all doubted. We mocked on this yep. podcast. That once the NBA got to Orlando, they'd be peeling off hundreds, giving it to the back security guy by the gate mm-hmm. so the girlfriends can come up and the friend could sneak in yep. with a blunt or this or that. We were joking. No, no, no. Adam Silver put in such a strict bubble protocol – and the money I heard, which we mentioned, they've spent over $100 million from what I'm thinking. Think of that number, $100 million potentially, and I could be wrong, and if I am, correct me on the podcast, on security. So the security overall with traveling the teams, I'm talking everything that started with this bubble in Orlando, mm-hmm. getting the television, the court set up, all that money. So they went in thinking that they had to be good. Then Adam Silva said, no, 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 no. We're going to put them in a complete lockdown. No one's coming in. 
Lou Williams left the bubble, got it. He knew he got it. He didn't get in the bubble, wouldn't let him in again. So their protocols were perfect. So they've been very fortunate. Now every other league is looking at the going, that's the way to do it, but you can't do it in baseball. You can't do it in the NFL, and you definitely can't do it in college football that way. You can't isolate college students just within themselves and not their friends and their girlfriends and their teachers for four or five months. So that's yeah. why they're going to test positive. Well, yeah, this, in some cases, no matter what the business that wants to wants to copy the NBA, sometimes it's just not going to be feasible, but they got to take a look at all the best parts of what's worked so far for the NBA and try to get it done. You sparked a great story when you talked about sneaking girlfriends in the back, etc. We both have someone we know well that played, and it's not Pete Rose, that played baseball in the 90s. Pete played in the 70s and 80s um, and the 60s. But we have a, a, a really pretty famous friend who played baseball in the 90s, and he had, this is just a funny side note, in order to get his pot moved around the country, he had a friend he grew up with that was gay, very gay, very feminine gay guy. And so no one ever assumed this guy was with the macho baseball players. So that guy always was you know, a childhood friend of this macho baseball player, and he would be the bag man, so to speak. And he always would take the pot from city to city to city. So, you know, so there was always plausible deniability, and no one ever thought. I guess the kids would call it a, a, this young guy a twink. JT, in the in common vernacular, this young, skinny, feminine guy was with the baseball team, and he was their pot bagman for the team. And after we finish the podcast, I'll tell you who that was. But so these guys get creative. These guys get creative when it comes to uh, sneaking stuff in. Although pot isn't the problem when it comes to COVID nineteen. It would be other people, and you're wondering if they're uh, if they have any shenanigans going on. And so far, it doesn't seem like they do. The reason we don't have Joe Rogan's numbers or you don't release the name. Then if we release the name, our numbers would go up. As we're saying, hey, let's get our numbers up here. Okay. You know, I love this podcast because I'm at a point now and our numbers are trending really good. We got a new partner. Right. I got, I got buddies' names that I put into this podcast. Right. Two weeks later, I go, to listen to the podcast I was talking about? You know, they go, no. Oh, I go, but you liked it. And you looked at a Facebook, you hit like. I go, listen to the thing. Listen to the thing. Finish it. Let it run. Even if you're going to go on the Peloton or whatever, let it run out. And then uh, maybe if you heard it or not, just print, you know, put a comment in and rate it at the end. Uh, the, back to college football. I think that college football will start. It will s- stop. Then they'll start canceling a few isolated games just like baseball. Major League Baseball were canceling series, three-game series, and keeping teams that were completely negative in cities because they were so nervous that there'd be an outbreak, and there wasn't. There was an outbreak with the Marlins and a smaller one with St. Louis, but the Phillies lost a lot of games. The Yankees will hold up for a little bit. Now we're going to see that in college football. I envision it starts on time. Game one gets going. They go back on campus for week two, eight, nine, 12, 14 players test positive. They bring in the backups, the backups play. And then if there's more the following week, they cancel game three and try to get it back on track for game four or game five. So Santa Claus, you're promising us a mini, a mini bike for Christmas. We're not just getting twister (laughs) and socks. We're getting a mini bike for Christmas. We are getting a full college football season, at least with the new newfangled COVID-19 schedule. And they're going to play all the games. You're promising that Santa Claus? No, let me clarify. We're going to have a season that's going to start. It's going to end. We're going to crown a champion, and there'll be some isolated teams that don't play all of their games, but the majority of the games will be played just like baseball. I don't think the Marlins are going to catch up unless you want them to have a doubleheader every day. I'll get to the seven-inning bullcrap doubleheader, but I don't think you can can have a doubleheader in a college football game if you cancel one. So teams will miss out on individual games. It could be Louisville. It could be Vanderbilt. It could be UNLV. It could happen to Washington. And then they'll have it under control, and they'll play again, and they'll miss one game. And maybe a team will miss two games and finish the season, Mm -hmm. and we'll fight that fight on how to rate them 
where to put him in the rankings. Well, you're right. If we if we if we can get through a college football season and there's a there's a team or two that miss a game or two and that's it, I'll take it. I think everybody'll take it. Uh, football, I think, for our collective consciousness, just like just like the doctors are saying, gosh, they ideally would like kids to go to school because it's so good for them psychologically in so many different ways. But for Americans, I think part of the reason why we haven't flattened the curve is because we're so impatient. We want to get back to normal and we're probably not going to be able to get back to normal till 2021. So hopefully sports and entertainment can be our savior, as it has been in our culture so many times through civil rights and everything else. That sports usually straightened everything out for us over the years, and hopefully uh, it can at least straighten out our psyche during the COVID-19 pandemic. Nicely said. I couldn't say it any better. Yeah. That's why I love listening to you on the podcast. And I want to apologize because I feel like everything that I do forward you on a text message and our other buddy, I have you in a group text, is all about asshole sports radio hosts that say <laughs> stupid things on Twitter and then get trolled and mocked all day long. Oh and I God, can't stop I looking at that. I should be reading books on Lincoln and Paris <laughs> and the world that I should be watching documentaries. And all I want to do is look on Twitter to see asshole sports talk radio hosts that are stepping out of their sports lane, doing something stupid and then get trolled for days and wondering what does their wives think? Oh, their kids are going to Google their names 30 years from now and go, oh, dad was such an asshole. He's supposed to be talking sports and college football, but he's talking about these other issues that no one cares about, nor are they educated on that. So I'm going to apologize. I'm going to try to do that less. Oh, try to send, send me Sky as well. Oh, oh, the mean girl, the, the mean girl the text. Mean girl, the mean girl text with the emojis. Like yes. crazy, the wacko. I'm going, to, I'm going to try to do less of that because I, if I don't stop doing that, I'd be a hypocrite getting on the calm app, right? Oh, yes. I can't be calm if I'm looking for asshole sports oh. talk radio hosts that aren't managed, that are going rogue and then watching other media members rip them. And, and I got to stop that if I'm going to start to download the Okay, now, how long have you been married? 20 years. So 20 years, and your wife decided last week to show you the Calm app? <laughs> oh, no, no. Uh, my wife, my wife deserves. I don't know what it, if it's not the Nobel Peace Prize, right. uh -huh. it deserves something from the Vatican or something for me and the boys. Remember the boys? I got two sons. Uh -huh. One's going to be a senior in high school, so he's going back. They had a choice. Everybody gets a choice. Oh wow! Would you like to stay home and do your school online, or would you like to go in to the hallways during a pandemic? And then my other son's going to go back, and he's going to go into a fraternity house atmosphere which will have hard protocol and all that. And, you know, I'm, I'm a college dad. Are you satisfied with the protocol? Of, did you investigate to find out what the protocol is in his fraternity house? Yeah, I'm looking into it. But, again, okay. I wanna, I, you know, I'm not comfortable talking about a lot of that okay. on this platform because it's his, it's his life. Thank God my dad wasn't True. shadowing me in college. Oh, at I know. Geneseo I know. State University. Right. Imagine if my dad was looking for <laughs> protocol at the DK house in 1984, oh, 85, okay. 86. No, okay. that wasn't happening. Oh, Remember? my God. That's yeah, right. So yeah. I shouldn't you, be, you, go, I, <laughs> you, go, you go off to college, you get to be a kid. But um, here's one thing about your son in high school. I do know that he was one of the uh, most, the most one of the deepest sleepers in North America. I know if I may raise that curtain. So you probably want him going into school because that way he'll get up uh, in the morning, correct? You're, you're so smart. That's that's my yeah. high school kid who literally and we've he could sleep he could sleep literally 16 17 hours straight right. without moving and without getting up just sleep straight through and do that every day of his life yeah they've done a lot of studies on that recently because it's the growth hormone years mm -hmm. that you need as for boys they need as much sleep as they a baby do. And and you uh, you know that from your youngest well my wife yeah. always says uh, he's growing Right, he's growing, yes. and he is. He's, he's growing. Hey, uh, one other thing I wanted to get in is we've been talking about entertainment. Last week it was about Regis mm -hmm. passing away, and Wilfred Brimley passed away. Yes. And yeah, there, by the way, Wilfred Brimley had a pretty cool life because on the weekends I am a news anchor at KABC in Los Angeles, and that's a Hollywood story, so I covered him. He started out as a stuntman. He had a really cool story, and then he uh, went on to the Waltons and a lot of big movies. He was in some big Big movies of the 70s and 80s, and then 
pretty much for our generation, it was Quaker Oats and uh, kidney dialysis uh, 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 commercials. But nevertheless, it's still a 40, 50-year career. Oh, and The Natural in some of the movies. He, yeah. was, he was a great, great character actor. But I wanted to wrap it up by saying that uh, I'm really disappointed because entertainment's not com- coming back. I got a buddy whose uh, yeah. son is a Broadway actor. I mean, they're, wow. talk- they're, they're talking about nada. I mean, not coming back. I don't mean November, December. I mean, Broadway shut down. They're not, yeah. And think of all the productions that take years to produce, right? Uh, the movies. You go to a Art Deco movie house uh, all the time. What has that it. been like for you? What's happening when you drive by that movie theater? What's going on there? Well, I just miss it. I've been pretty good at staying at home, and I've been working from home and had some pretty cool, by the way, uh, you know, I, there's a couple of... Uh, I had to sign some Stormy Daniels non-disclosure agreements this week, and it was really cool. It was not for pornography. It was for voiceover work and a TV show. So I'll have to uh, give you some nondescript details off the air so I don't violate it. Certainly can't say anything on the podcast. So that was cool. But So there's been so much of my work, which involves microphones, so I've been really good at staying at home, so I haven't been driving by those movie theaters. There is one in my, in my neighborhood where I feel bad when I go by that. I go by a really cool bar that's not open. Uh, anybody in the restaurant business, the bar business, the movie business, which is this city, Hollywood, Los Angeles. God, it's just closed down so many industries where people thought at least they were safe. Entertainment usually was always safe because no matter what we're going through, especially this now, we need entertainment. But we have to get it through Netflix now. And so this is this is the heyday of Netflix. Well, over a month ago, I went down to the Vegas Strip just one time. One time I went for a night with the wife and uh-huh. see my friends down there. And it was pretty uncomfortable because it was uncomfortable. And you didn't know what was happening and a lot of people weren't masked up. I've been back since. I live in Vegas. Wow. I am a I I'm a guy who promotes Vegas as much as you anybody. Like whenever yeah, you I you can. love your hometown. Yep. I haven't even drove my vehicle towards the strip. I haven't even pointed the car there okay. because our governor still it's not open to the point. So you've where just gone straight in. to the radio station and home. Yes. And wow. I've gone straight back twice a day, putting a mask on, hoping other people are doing the right thing. I work for a great company here, two great radio companies, but you know, now I believe it's time again for a warning. And the warning is that we thought that the weather would make this go away. We thought the calendar after four or five months, it would disappear. I didn't, but some people said that. Now we're in August and it's raging. It's raging on in regards to hot spots. I'm not going to break out a graph and fight HBO access or anybody and talk about death rate or population. Right. I'm just going to tell you again we got to do a better job. It's the month of August as you listen to this podcast. Have a great beginning of August, everybody. Wear your mask. Do the right thing. And you got to cut down on the social interaction because a lot of people started interacting from July 4th, 4th all the way through the end of July, and it turned out to be a really bad idea. Yeah, and it, it only makes sense that we are impatient to want to – socialize and we got to save the lives of the old people you and i haven't been able to socialize you haven't been able to socialize with your parents i haven't been able to socialize with my own mother even on her birthday had to do you know we've been able to do of course facetime yes facetime stuff but it's just we just have to be disciplined and do it for the team people who listen to this podcast usually love team sports and you and i played team sports we got to do it for the team team america and just it doesn't matter. Blue state, red state, we are the United States of America. We gotta wear our mask, stay six feet away from each other, and we'll be okay soon, hopefully. We're both from New York. We thought we'd be able to sneak back into New York and then sneak out. Now we have to quarantine. I They're know. gonna take our ID. They're gonna give us fines. And I want to go see my mom and dad. My sister's really, really bad. And my nieces and nephews and my cousins. We gotta get this thing figured out here quickly. And hopefully, Tom, I'm optimistic again because in sports, it's optimism time. August is here. You're going to be hearing a lot more NFL content. Uh, You heard John Gruden. You're going to hear more of our guests through Believe and some of our NFL insiders. And hopefully we can pull this NFL season off. Boom. All right. Yeah, I'll edit a little bit and give it a title and throw it up. Again, the title because we covered everything. It was it could be John Gruden, fake IDs. Oh uh, yeah, Grimley, <laughs> whatever you know, whatever 
whatever you wanted, um, college football. You got to include college football. We spent a lot of time on that too. Um, in Elmira, they had the, because of course you know Shimon County because you stopped at the Burger King in Shimon. Burger King, we got love letters <laughs> from the girls in the back. Yeah, and um, they had the. Uh, they they had to pretend that they cared about underage drinking, but remember it was the Rust Belt. It was the the the, the drinking age was eighteen. Mm. They, we didn't enforce it in Elmira at all. So they went through this phase where they at least had to pretend so you can get an official Shimon County Sheriff's Identification Card. This would mean they went over everything and you were 18. Here's the problem with that that they never thought of. Once you leave the county, it looks like you're a sheriff. Oh, right. <laughs> Shimon County Sheriff's yeah. Identification Card. So when I went to Penn State with that, we're like, whoa. <laughs> Look at the sheriff. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that great? Wow. We have to do a, a special podcast on the Penn State years. We've never gone over oh, it. We, we never God, had time yes. to do it on the radio. We got to. Oh, we my God. When I would tell my mother that I needed, yeah, uh, uh, $400 for a gym membership, and then I would pay the county magistrate for the fines for whatever I got arrested for. It's like, <laughs> Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, because that's, it's also good to about uh, the podcast about we're two guys with wonderful parents who brought us up the right way, and we did things. This is why you can't blame parents. We did things that did not reflect on our parents. <laughs> well, again, I like the podcast more than anything because I trust you. It's fun. It's easy, and uh, let's keep it rolling. Well, yeah, easy, important. All right, All right see ya. See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.